The title of the message today is House on Fire. Now, if you want to discover your destiny, and just quick survey, how many of you want to discover it and fulfill it? Can I just see your hand real quick? You want to know why in the world am I here? All right, that looks like 100%. And I, all you online, I saw you raise your hand too in, in the spirit. So um, if you want to discover and fulfill your destiny, of course, you got to make Jesus the Lord of your life or you're never going to figure out why you're here. But outside of that, the second most important thing is if you want to discover and fulfill your destiny, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you why. Jesus Christ himself, how many know him? He did not do one miracle. He did not even start or begin his ministry until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus couldn't do it without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what makes you and me think that we can do anything, we can fulfill our destiny without the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in our life? You say, well, I thought I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved or when I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Well, you did. It's kind of like this. The Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you. It's like when I drink this water. Ah, it goes in me. It's refreshing. But if I took this same water, I could have a totally different experience than drinking it, all right? Or if this was a youth service, I would take it and I would just throw it out on all y'all, and, and, and that would be a different experience too, right? Same water, different experience. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you and he makes all things new, amen? But there's more. There's more. There's a pattern in Scripture that we see in the Old and the New Testament of three major things that happen in people's lives. There's really a fourth thing, but we don't have time to talk about that today. But, but it's people get saved, people are water baptized, and then people are filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share some verses with you today. Uh, just If you're taking notes, jot these down. We're going to put them up on the screen for you. The first one, I'm going to read three verses in a row out of the Gospels, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels. They have a lot of similar material. They cover the first th uh, three years of Jesus's ministry, but John covers the last part of Jesus's ministry. But what I want to point out to you, and I hope you see the significance, is that even in John, these same things are recorded. So and it's, and it's, it's seldom that you find something in all four of the Gospels. So when you do, it's really powerful and significant. And here, here it is, Mark 8, or chapter 1 and verse 8. John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit. Let's go, you've heard of John 3.16. This is Luke 3.16. And it says, John answered and said, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with what? Water. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose, and he will baptize you. Come on, say it with me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Fire. What I want you to see in a minute is every time God sanctified or ordained a place for his presence to dwell on the earth, he caught that place on fire. <laughs> see, I'm going to teach for a minute, and then I'm going to get to the end, and I'm going to preach a little bit, all right? Where's my organ player at? Y'all yeah. <laughs> believe with me for an organ player. I got a Hammond B3 organ back there. I just need somebody to play it. All right. John uh, chapter 1 and verse 32. 
And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. Now, the Holy Spirit's not a dove, but sometimes he behaves like one in the sense of he comes where he's welcomed. He comes where there's space and room created for him to come. And you don't have to do a whole lot to, to shoo him off. So you have to reverence that presence if you want that presence to remain. So it says, the Holy Spirit descend, descending upon him uh, like a dove. I lost my place. Okay. And he remained upon him. Verse 33, I did not know him, but he who sent me uh, to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say this with me, descending and remaining. Now, this is a wonderful definition and description of what it means to be filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit. God, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon individuals like priests and prophets and kings and anoint them to do something, and then the, Holy, the anointing would lift off of them. But in the New Testament, God's Spirit wants to come upon us and remain. So we don't just, like in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on David and he killed the giant. The Spirit of God came on Elijah and he called down fire. And, all these, and then the Spirit would leave. But God's Spirit wants to come upon you and me and remain on our life. Now, this is powerful because we're what we're talking about today, indirectly, is the teaching of the triune God, the Trinity, the Godhead. Uh, I thought about doing a series called Try God. <laughs> anyway, so you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Here's a great picture of this. Is Remember when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, the Son. He came up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus and remained. And then from heaven, God the Father spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So you have God the Father speaking from heaven, God the Son being baptized, and, the, and God the Spirit coming upon Jesus to empower him to begin his earthly ministry. Because some people would say, Well, I thought they were all the same. The three expressions are the same. It's not one person, but they're so unified. It's kind of like... Um, it's kind of, you got any football fans in the house? You got any Auburn fans in the house? Any Auburn fans? All right, three people. All right. Got any Alabama fans in the house? Tennessee people, y'all be quiet. All right, now. <laughs> so Alabama, the, the Crimson Tide, there are many players, but they're one team. They're so unified, they act, they have one purpose and one intention and one goal, and they act in unity. Though there are many individuals, they're, they're, they're in unity around one purpose. That's God. The Father, God, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're in such unity. They're almost, they're inseparable. They're three in one. It's like I've had an orange and I, and, you know, got the peeling and you peel it and you got the, the meat and the fruit or the juice. And then, you, then inside you got the seed. You know, you got the three parts. Well, you're made in God's image too. You're three parts. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live inside of a body. Now, I wish I had time to tell you that your spirit has three parts, your mind has three parts, and your body has three parts. You're just made, made in the image of God on every level. You, you say, well, how's my body made? You got bones, you got blood, and you got meat. That's, that's gross, but you got three parts. And you, your mind is your mind, your will, and your emotions, your, your, your thinker your chooser and your feeler, 
All right? In your spirit, you got your conscience, you got the still small voice. So anyway, I don't have time to teach on all that, but you're made in the image of God. So if you ever want to know what God looked like, Look in the mirror, and you'll see what God looks like. That's why it, it matters what color you are, because that's part of who you are. It's part of what makes you wonderful and beautiful. But on the inside, if you're a Christ follower, we all look the same. I mean, not only do we bleed the same, no matter what religion you are, but if you're a Christ follower, if I could see you in the Spirit, I would see Jesus. And the cool thing is, is I can, I can look in your eyes, and I can see him right now, no matter what color your skin is or what your background is, if you're a Christ follower, we all got the same daddy. We all born of the same spirit, right? And God wanted you and his family. There's three ways you can get in a family. You can be born in a family, you can get married into a family, or you can be adopted into a family. God wanted you and his family so bad, he got you in all through. You're born by the spirit, you're married to the son, and you're adopted by the father. So, welcome to the family. Now, we got a few crazy people in our family, but I think you'll fit right in. So it's all right. It's all right. Now, Luke chapter 24 and Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus' final or last words on the earth. And I have a sermon where I teach that the last words of Jesus are go into all the world, and that's true. But if you dig a little deeper, when he spoke to his disciples, his last words were not just go. They were actually wait. Like, before you go, I want you to go, but before you go, wait. Now, what, everybody say, wait for it. What did he want them to wait for? The Holy Spirit. In Luke 24, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed or endued with power from on high. In other words, don't go try to do the works that I've done until you get some help. The Holy Spirit. Until you're clothed with my spirit. So just like I got this shirt on today, anywhere, everywhere I move, the spirit, this, this shirt moves because I'm clothed in these clothes. My, my wife got me these new pants yesterday. We went shopping. So wherever I go, these pants go, right? And so whenever God's spirit clothes you, wherever you go, the spirit goes with you. He wants to come upon you and remain. And Jesus said, don't go anywhere until you're clothed with my spirit. Now I'm telling you the key to some of your problems right now, because some of you, you Jesus is your Lord, but you're not clothed with the Holy Spirit. You run around naked in the spirit and wonder why you're getting beat up by the devil. You got to put on the whole armor of God. So I do this every day. I say, Lord, and I sure make sure I do it on Sundays. On my way here, I did it this morning. I said, Lord, I submit every area of my life to you, spirit, soul, and body. And I pause after each one to see if he has any correction for me. Because if you want God's direction, you need to be open to his correction. So I say, what do I need to do spiritually? What do you need me to fix, change, do more of, do less of? Then I said, what do you want me to do in my mind, my, what I'm thinking about, how I'm thinking, how I'm feeling in my emotions, what decisions I'm making? Because how many of those small tweaks can take you to giant peaks? Yeah. Any changes I submit to you in my body, in my diet, in my sleep, in my schedule, in my exercise? What? And, and he's been talking to me about some of the same things for a long time. He's like, come on, boy, you can do this. Make some tweaks. Come on. But he's patient, and I keep submitting it to him, and I keep working on it, and I keep getting a little better, making incremental progress, But because he's the Lord, so I let him tell me what to do, because he's the boss. He's the boss of me. 
Okay? And so I am his to command. And so the Bible says, submit to God. Then it says, resist the devil and he will flee. But some of y'all trying to resist the devil and you hadn't submitted to God yet. That's why it's not working. And I resist you, devil, in the name of Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Holy Water, something. Why ain't it working? Well, because he's been talking to you about certain areas of your life, and you're not listening. Oh, do I need to meddle a little bit? It's not in my notes, but I'm, I'm feeling a, a, a holy metal come upon me right now. So I'm going to meddle just a little bit. Say, so, well, the reason the devil won't flee in that certain area is because the Lord's been saying, quit having vain imaginations about women you're not married to. You want sickness out of your family? Get your mind clean. Or you want to get out of debt? Well, start bringing your tithe into the storehouse and honoring God with it. Oh, you always bring it back to money, preacher. I'm not. You just listen to what God, see what he's saying to you. Don't do anything. Don't give anything the Lord hadn't told you to give. Can't get amen somebody. If I could just get everybody to obey God, man, we could pay this place off and build another one. I ain't even kidding. We just got to get God's people to submit to God and then resist the devil. God would get you out of debt so fast and make your head spin if you just submit to him in your finances. Amen, Pastor. Amen. Brought my own amen with me today. Or if the Holy Spirit could just get you to go to bed and quit watching late night TV till 3 o'clock in the morning or get you off of the dang internet, then you could hear the inner voice. The first thing you do in the morning when you wake up, you're like, where's my phone at? You're addicted to it. Oh, I'm meddling now. I just need to keep moving. But if the shoe fits, go ahead and put it on. If you can't say amen, say oh my. <laughs> in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 through 8, the disciples said to Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons the Father's put into his own authority, but... This is a big old butt right here. But you shall, verse 8, you shall receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes where? I mean, he's already in you, just like he was already in these disciples. But he says, but there's something more. I got something else for you. I was in Ethiopia, Africa, several years ago, and I pulled up into this open marketplace in the back of a pickup truck with a bullhorn and an interpreter, and I preached the gospel to almost 10,000 people that were there that day, and they just so kindly and, and reverently listened to me preach the gospel. They stopped. They're buying and selling. They just stopped and listened to me preach. This good. I preached the good news, and I gave an altar call, so to speak, and thousands of people made Jesus the Lord of their life. I got this all on videotape somewhere. I have to pull it out and show you one day, but then... Something on the inside of me says, hey, don't stop here. Ask them if they want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I said, your God that you just accepted, he's got a present for you. He's got a welcome gift for you. How many like presents? You like presents? And so God's got a present for you. And it's he wants his spirit to come upon your life to give you power to live an abundant life. And so all you got to do is ask for it. So I led them in a prayer of asking God to fill them with the Holy Spirit. Then all of a sudden, these th about 7,000, 8,000 people that had never been to church, had never heard of Jesus, had never heard of speaking in tongues, all started speaking in tongues. I got it on video. It's awesome. It was a miracle. You say, well, I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Well, you should have been there that day. You'd have liked it. It was awesome. Well, how many know that is anything too hard for God? So 
He said, when my spirit comes upon you, upon is uh, an English, two English words we squash together, up and on. God says, I want you to get so full of my spirit that it just bubbles up and gets on you and changes your behavior, right? Changes how you act like a, like a fire. How I many of you, if you're on fire, it'll alter your behavior. You will act in ways that are not in accordance with your usual character. You'll, you'll suddenly forget about what everybody else thinks, their opinion of you. Why? Because you're on fire. My pastor's wife, she was uh, um, one day, this is Pastor Janet, her sleeve caught on fire. And she said, ah, 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 I'm on fire. And she didn't care about what you thought about her. She was on fire. And she started moving and shaking and trying to, trying to yeah, you get on fire with God's fire, you will not care about the opinion of people all of a sudden. I'm preaching good. Now, that's why, we, that's why we pick on the Pentecostals and the Charismaniacs. They might act a little different, but they're just on fire. When God's fire starts burning in your life, man, you, you change. All right. So, there's a process. Saved, water baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be water baptizing people next Sunday, by the way, if you need to be baptized. If that's your next step, we'd love to be a part of that with you. You can sign up at our connection booth out in the hallway. So you don't usually get water baptized when you get saved, meaning it doesn't happen simultaneously, right? It's usually two separate experiences. It might be five minutes later. It might be five years later you get water baptized, but it's a different experience. And the reason I point that out is because the baptism with the Holy Spirit is also another experience. Say, well, I thought I got all of God when I got saved. No, he got all of you. (laughs) But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's when he starts giving you more of himself. Anybody could stand to have a little bit more of him. And he's eternal, and he'll give you as much of him as you can handle. And then some. Let's go to Acts 2. Look at verses 37, 38, and 39. Acts 2, 37 through 39. And when they had heard that the crowd heard Peter preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And this is what Peter said to them. Three things. Repent. That sounds like being born again, doesn't it? Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There's water baptism. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the gift. So God has a gift for you. If you're a Christ follower, well, if you're not a Christ follower, he's got the gift of salvation for you. But then the gifts just keep on coming because if you're a Christ follower and he has saved you, he's got something else, another gift he wants to give you. He's like, I got more of me I want to give to you. You gave me your life, now I want to give you my life. You gave me your spirit, now I want to give you my spirit. Man, you just thought life was good when you got born again. It gets even gooder. <laughs> so when they heard this, they were cut to their heart, and they said, what should we do? Not what must we do to be saved. He just said, they just said, what should we do? And Peter said three things. Repent of your sin, get saved, get water baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to clarify, verse 39. For the promise is for you and your children. Say, me and my kids. And to all who are afar off. See, that, that was us. When they said this, we were 2,000 years away. We were afar off. But it's for us too, those that are afar off. And as many as our God, Lord our God would call. Well, how many is that? 
When Peter wrote this, he wasn't sure. But then, if you read 2 Peter chapter, I think it's 3, verse 8, 9, and 10, Peter had further revelation. He said, it's God, we know that God wills that none would perish, that, that all would be saved. So he got great revelation because in the beginning, he, he was like, I'm not sure how many God's going to open this up to. But then we see later, he's like, man, God's opened this up there. Whosoever will, let them come, right? It's for everybody, red, yellow, black, and white. They are all precious in his sight. Isn't that right? And so it's for all. So he said, this is for you and your children and those that are afar off and as many as God's going to call. Well, he's calling everybody. It's just up to us to answer, right? So Peter told them, when they said, what must we do? He said, do these three things. Get saved, get baptized, get filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to give you some um, examples in the Old Testament where we see this. The first one is the father of our faith, Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, we see God saying to Abram, he says, get out from thy country and away from your kindred. I mean, wish God would call you away from your kinfolk. No, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. But, but this is a symbol of God calling him out because it says in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, come out from among them and be separate. Old things are passed away and all things are become what? New. So that's a symbol of salvation. Come out from the old. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm sending you somewhere new. I'm going to make you your own people. Salvation. Genesis 15, verses 17 and 18. This is the type of water baptism because Abram takes a sacrifice and he cuts it up and then he sits and then God comes. He falls into a trance and God comes. And God, it says, he, like a smoking oven and a burning torch, God came and he walked around and among all the pieces of the sacrifice that Abram had offered to God. In other words, God was cutting a covenant with Abram. And what is water baptism? It's a symbol of our covenant with God. It's the wedding ring of Christianity. It lets everybody, it's a public declaration that you belong to him and he belongs to you. Just like my wedding ring declares, I'm taken, I've committed to somebody, right? So that's water baptism. And then we see, <clears throat> excuse me, this is my favorite one, in Genesis 17, where around verse 5, this is a type of um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God said to Abram, he said, no longer will you be called Abram. I'm going to change your name. What did he change it to? So Abraham. So what did he do? He added a letter. He added an H. And in Hebrew... The letter H, ancient Hebrew, the letter H looks like blowing wind. It's the letter Ruha. And it's, it means breath, wind, spirit. And it's pronounced like this. Yeah. Or like the sound of a rushing mighty wind, right? So he said, no longer will you be called Abram. Now I'm going to add the spirit to your life and you will be called Abraham. Yeah. He goes, as a matter of fact, I'm going to do you a favor, Abraham. I'm going to do the same thing for your wife. No longer will she be called Sarai. She will be called Sarah. And that could be the answer to your problem. You got too much I and not enough H. You got too much of you and not enough of the spirit in your life. But when they were filled with the spirit and had the wind of the breath of God, the breath of fresh air blowing in their life, that's when the promise of God came to pass in their life. And they started having babies. 
I'm telling you, you're not going to become a productive, fruit-bearing, or reproductive Christian until you get the Spirit of God active in your life. When you get the infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life, you start making spiritual babies. People start, you start, you can't even help but be a witness to people. You shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. Power to what? Be a witness, not do witnessing, because many of you are spending all your time. You, you love Jesus. Well, I have no doubt you're trying to do right and do what Christians do and do this and go to church. And, and, and look, it's not about doing, it's about being. When the Spirit of God comes, you don't have to try to do. It's not about what you do. It's about what Jesus did, and now he gives you the power to be. I quit trying to do the work of a pastor several years ago, and I just yielded to the Holy Spirit, and now he gave me power to be a pastor. I used to pray in Bible school, Lord Jesus, send me to Africa, send me to India. Please don't make me pastor a church in America. Oh, God. So the fact that I'm pastoring a church, it's supernatural. It's a miracle. You have no idea. I wasn't originally designed to be a pastor. I am not a normal pastor. Some of you are like, I know. <clears throat> but that's because we're not called to be a normal church. Because we're not a church that's just about us. We're a church that we exist for the purpose of our non-members. We're, we're trying to get the outsiders inside. Make it hard to go to hell from Mobile, Alabama. <clears throat> so, let's look at the children of Israel. Salvation was typical. Remember in Ex Exodus 12 where they put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts? That represented their salvation. And then the next thing we see happening is they're delivered out of bondage, out of Egypt. They're saved, right? Woo, we got delivered. We got saved. So, they got out of Egypt, but how many know it was a long process to get Egypt out of them? That's another thing that God wants to do. That's the fourth thing. That's called freedom ministry, which is why when we start our freedom small groups this fall semester, if you have never been through one of our freedom small groups, get in a freedom small group. Say, oh, I don't need that. Oh, yes, you do. We all need freedom. Freedom comes in layers. He sets us free instantly when we get born again. And then he says, now work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's a process. So it's instant and it's a process. Well, how long does the process take, Pastor Kevin? How long are you going to be alive? That's how long it takes. And we all need it. So anyway, that's another sermon for another Sunday. But the blood over the doorpost represented Israel's salvation. Then they passed through the Red Sea. What do you think that represents? Water baptism. That's right, passing through the water. And then the next step was for them to enter into the promised land. That represents the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, it was supposed to be an 11-day walk from Egypt to the promised land, but they kept going round and round and round this mountain and round and disobeying and questioning God, and they turned an 11-day walk into a 40-year journey. And a lot of you... You're going around the same problems with the same struggles over and over again. If you would just yield and get filled with the Holy Spirit, you would enter into the promised land. And when you enter into the promised land, that's when you become a giant killer, baby. That's when you start taking stuff away from the enemy and possessing it for the kingdom of God. You're not running from giants. You become a giant killer. And the giants in your life, the giant of debt, the giant of... of um, just choose your giant, whatever giant. You know your giant. Just put a name on the giant. You can kill it when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
You're, and what did God say? You're going to live in houses you did not build. How many old giants build big houses? When, you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're, it, it gives you power to live a big life. So you mean that blab it and grab it and name it and claim it? Well, that's part of it. But it's not just having stuff. It's about taking spiritual territory, right? It's about taking, I mean, think of pe people harass my friend Jesse DePlantis for flying around the world preaching the gospel on a jet airplane. Nobody ever harassed Hugh Hefner for flying around and, and exploiting women. Amen. He had a jet airplane too. I say we take his airplane and use it for the gospel. <laughs> Live a big life. Thank you for those 12 amens. I appreciate it. But listen, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you start living a big life. You start taking houses away from giants. You start taking giants' heads off their shoulders. You start taking land. You start taking mountains. Instead of going around the mountain, you take it. Say, that's God's mountain. I'm going to live on that mountain. God made that mountain for me, not the giants. Get off my mountain. Right? So find your mountain. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he'll give you the power to take it, possess it, and use it for the glory of God. Jesus, would we all agree he lived a big life? Yes, Come on, he didn't live a big life without the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit, and you won't either. Amen. You'll just keep going around mountains, keep be getting beat up by giants, intimidated. Oh, woe is me, I'm just a grasshopper. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, man, something happens to you. So you get turned into another man, into another woman. You get bold on the inside. It's a different life. Now, you have to be filled and refilled and refilled. Why? Because you leak. <laughs> That's why you got to keep coming and keep getting in God's presence and keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me start winding up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 3. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud... All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food. So Israel, Israel's type of Jesus or the Messiah was Moses. Now, write this down because I'm not going to turn there. But you do your own homework. But in Deuteronomy 18 and in Acts chapter 3, Scripture teaches us that Moses was a type of Jesus for the children of Israel. So they were all baptized into Moses. That means that represents salvation. They were, they were under the cloud and in the sea. That represents water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me keep reading to you. Verse 11. Now all these things, this is 1 Corinthians still uh, chapter 10, verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they, were for, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. So, so in Moses' tabernacle... Remember, they had to take me past the outer court and through the holy place, uh, past the brazen altar. I want to go into the holy of holies. The, the high priest would go into the, where the holy of where the manifest presence of God was. But before he could go into where the manifest presence of God was, there was a process. You want to hear it? It's real quick. First, you'd go by the altar where they would sacrifice the lamb, and the blood of the lamb was spilled. So the priest, he'd sacrifice the altar, and guess what? Blood would splatter all over him. It was a, it was a gruesome task. And so then he would go to this place called the laver. It was a huge, big, bronze 
bowl that was, I mean, it was huge. And he would have to go and he would look into that water and see his reflection. Because when you look into the water of the word, it's like a mirror. And you see, and you take that water and you begin to wash and cleanse the areas where you, that need to be addressed in your life. They begin to wash, and that represents water baptism and the washing of the water of the word. And then when he got all cleaned, then he would go to the next stop and then he would take the, the uh, holy anointing oil that was a special recipe made out of five ingredients. And those ingredients were olive oil, which you cook with. You can light your lamp. It produces light. It's a healing agent. Uh, it was uh, calamus, which a reed would fill with this oil. And it was so heavy, it would bend over. That's how they knew it was time to cut that reed and get that oil because how many know it takes humility to walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit? And then there was another ingredient that was called uh, calamus, or that was calamus, and there was another one called myrrh, and that's what they would use. It was a sap that smelled beautiful, but it tasted bitter, and they would use that to anoint the dead. How many know you got to die to your flesh if you want to walk in the anointing of God? And then they would use this other ingredient that was, that was uh, a laxative. How many know the anointing will get you moving? Come on, somebody. <laughs> It'll get the crap out of your life. And then the fifth ingredient to the anointing was cinnamon. That represents boldness, and it smelled sweet. The Holy Spirit will make you bold. Come on. Mm. And so they would take that anointing after they were clean with the word, and they would put the anointing oil all over them, and then they would go into the manifest presence of God. You, you can know God and love God, but you can't operate and have the manifest presence of God without the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's just a dimension that you can't experience without saying, Lord, please baptize me with your spirit. You, and listen, you need that. We all need Jesus needed it. You needed it. Paul needed it. You needed it. Peter needed it. You needed it. We need that. It didn't pass away with the apostles because it's for you and your children and for those that are afar off and all that God will call. Well, he called me. Did he call you? If you're sitting here today, he called you. Amen. Now, I'm going to close with this. In Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Spirit, but in Acts chapter 4, they were filled again. You don't just need one filling. Would it be all right if Jesus filled you with the Spirit again today? So every time God sanctified a place on the earth where his presence would dwell, he caught that place on fire. Leviticus chapter 10, I think it's verses 1 through 4, it talks about how uh, Moses sanctified the, the tabernacle and fire came out of the altar and caught the sacrifice on fire. And then that fire kept burning. And then we see in the next chapter where Aaron's sons, they took censers and they put strange fire in it. And the Bible says that fire came out of the altar and killed those boys. And I'll tell you why. I used to bother me. I'm like, why did that happen? They were just trying to do what they saw. See, God says, I'm starting the fire. Your job is just to feed the fire. If you try to create your own fire, then you just get religion and weird stuff. We don't want none of that. We want God's fire, and we just feed the fire. Amen? And so, every, but every time God said, I'm going to make this my habitation, he sanctified that place with the fire of his presence. That's why the name of this message today is House on Fire. House, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Amen? And so, the next time we see is in 2 Chronicles 7, when Solomon finished praying, it says that, 
uh, Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests couldn't even stand because the glory of God was so strong in that place. And they all began to shout, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. God caught that house on fire again. And then finally, we see in Acts chapter 2, God says, now, here's my permanent dwelling. I call it the church. I call it my people. And so in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says there was a sound, like a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Ruha. There was a, that sound came, and there was upon each one of them cloven tongues as of fire. Paul, John the Baptist says, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, because every time God comes to choose a dwelling place on the earth, he catches that place on fire. And if you haven't been caught on fire yet, you're missing out. You say, I don't know about that. I don't know about that fire. Listen, when I was a kid, I thought it was going to be cool and put lighter fluid on my hand and just let it burn off. And, uh, and it did look really cool for a, few, for a minute <laughs> until the lighter fluid had burnt off and the fire started looking for an alternative fuel source. Then I began to behave in a different manner than I was, that was according to my character, my usual character. How many know when you're on fire, you behave a little differently? Can I get an amen right there? And so when you have the fire of God, that was a long process for a short illustration, but that was the safe version, trust me. <laughs> One time I was a youth pastor, I don't know how we did it, but we got some kind of chemical mixture rubbing alcohol and something else, and we doused the entire pulpit and caught it on fire. <laughs> it was, we thought it was a good idea. <laughs> and it was really cool for a few minutes until <laughs> the pulpit started burning. We're like, oh, yeah, that, that, was, that was funny. Anyway, I was a lot younger back then. But, <laughs> but my point being is, when the fire of God comes on your life, and when it starts looking, when it starts using your life as the fuel, and that's what we're supposed to fuel the fire with, is our obedience and our submission to Him, and, and our worship of Him, and our honoring of Him. I mean, whatever He tells me to do, man, I endeavor to do it. I am His the command. That's why we call Him the Lord, right? So they do it in sign language. He's the Lord. And this is something else in sign language. You don't want to be that. If, you, if, if he's not your Lord, then you're being a, a loser, right? Amen. Or if you say he's your Lord, but you ain't doing what he's telling you to do, you are fooling yourself. Okay? So quit fooling yourself and get the fire. You want to discover your destiny? You want to fulfill your destiny? Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus did not do one miracle until the Spirit of God came upon him. We need that same power today. If we're going to reach our city, if we're going to love the hell out of people, come on, somebody. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Can I lead you in a prayer today? Would you like to be filled with God's Spirit today? Say, well, I've been filled with the Spirit before. You need another infilling. You get free refills. That's, that's the good deal, isn't it? Jesus paid the tab. You get free refills. And if you've never been filled with God's Spirit, I'm going I'm to lead you in the prayer of salvation today, but I also am going to lead you in the prayer 
of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just comfort you. You say, well, I'm not sure about that. If it's not God, he won't give it to you. But if it is from him, if it's not from him, we don't want it. But if it is from him, whatever it is, Lord, I want all you have for me, right? You want all God has for you? I mean, all God has for you is much better than just being dignified. I'll promise you that. Because dead people are dignified. We want some live people. Would you bow your heads and let me pray for you today? Would you say this with me today? Father, thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I receive him as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for baptizing me into the body of Christ. I declare Jesus is my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for baptizing me with the Holy Spirit. I ask you now, and I receive by faith, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it. Now, can you just raise your hands like you're receiving something and just begin to thank God for filling you with the Holy Spirit? He, he, he said, anyone who asks, receives. Lord, we asked you today, and now we thank you for filling us with your Spirit today. Just thank him in your own words. Thank you, Lord, for filling me with your Spirit. Just begin to speak the praises of God out. Begin to thank him and magnify him. Lord, we thank you for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for baptizing this church in your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, and your fire. We need your presence manifest in our lives, in our church, not just in our services, but when we go to school and we go to work, we go to Walmart, Lord. Everywhere we go, we want, we want to be clothed in your power. And we thank you for clothing us with yourself today in Jesus' name. Now, would you say this, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, thank you for your power in my life. In the same way, you baptize your disciples in the upper room. I ask you to baptize me today. Now, Father, thank you for baptizing my brothers and my sisters today with power from on high. Holy Spirit, come now. Breathe on us. Breathe on these that have asked you for fresh filling, for fresh fire, for that first infilling of your spirit today. We receive you right now the same way we receive Jesus by faith. We receive you, Holy Spirit, by faith right now. We receive you fully and completely. Come on, say this with me. Say, Holy Spirit. We receive you fully and completely. All your fruit, all your power, all your love, all your gifts. We receive all of you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we just shout to God with a voice of triumph today? Hallelujah. Amen.